Welcome to In The Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. Welcome back, everyone, to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm very excited to have on today's call Summer Tanhauser, who is the founder of LadyBossLee.com and also EvergreenSalesSchool.com and her program, Evergreen Sales School, is what we're going to be talking about today. She's running it live right now, and it's pretty interesting because we were just talking offline about Evergreen Funnels and what does it take to actually do them the right way, like that they're actually effective so you can actually get sales. And my question for her was like, what's the number one thing that people do wrong when it comes to this kind of stuff? Because it's like the holy grail. Evergreen funnels are like the holy grail for online marketing. So what is that big thing that people do wrong? And it turns out it has a lot to do with giving away maybe a little bit too much for free. So Summer, I'm just going to leave it at that. I want you to take away from there. Like, well, first, thank you for being on In the Trenches. And then tell me a little bit about like, why is that a big mistake giving stuff away for free? Yeah, definitely. So thanks for having me today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this is an interesting topic because I don't know if it's necessarily just giving information away for free that's the issue, but it's more the way that you're providing the information, the kind of the strategic style that you're using, the psychology around behind um, the way you're presenting it. Because I mean, I'm all about providing value to my audience and providing information and providing them things that they can utilize, even if they're not in one of my paid programs. But I think it's the way that you're providing that information. So the style of evergreen funnel that I really focus on and like to teach is the mini course style. So when you hear that and somebody initially thinks of a mini course, they're like, oh, we're going to be providing all of this information about the topic that, you know, uh, that my pay program is going to be on. I'm going to teach them all this stuff. I'm going to get them excited. And then it's like, well, wait, why aren't they buying my paid program? Well, it's because you've taught them everything that they thought they needed to know and you didn't lead them towards that sale. So the biggest mistake that I've seen with both my live students and just people that have reached out to me about Evergreen Funnels is that they're going in with the mindset of a focus on teaching in that mini course. And of course, you're going to provide value. Of course, you're going to give some information. You're going to give kind of bite-sized steps or or quick wins that they can accomplish in a very short amount of time and feel good about that and, and taking action forward. But there's so many other things you've got to include in that mini course to make it actually leading towards the sales. So, you know, I talk about things like, You need to share your own story, the stories of your students, get personal, let them get to know you, sharing the mistakes you made, kind of letting them know that you were in their shoes, you, you understand where they are, you, you know where they're coming from. Um, And just really busting a lot of the myths about the topic as well, because these people are likely coming in, they have interest, but they know you're the expert. So that's the biggest thing, just not providing only information and teaching. It's it's including all those other things as well that actually lead toward the sale of your program or your course. Okay. So, and and I like that. That makes sense. I feel like I meet a lot of people where that's exactly what we run into, whether it's in the context of an evergreen funnel 
or even webinars or doing any kind of free content, you know, lead generation tool, you know, the thing that you're giving away and then finding out maybe, hey, you're actually teaching too much. Maybe you're giving away too much. And yet I, it's, it's challenging, right? Because I know the opposite. Like if you go to the other extreme, it's like just a pitch, right? And I know there's a happy yeah. medium there. So, you know, can you bring this down to earth for us and say, how do I find that happy balance between teaching and making it so it's like people aren't getting everything just from that free content? Yeah, definitely. So I think it's, I, I like to look at it as we want to almost kind of like what you said, bring people down to earth. So they've got this big concept or, you know, there's a big concept that you're trying to teach. And when you kind of keep it out there and and don't really get into the specifics, that's also not a good idea. Like you said, you know, they're not going to connect with that. So if I'm only talking in big picture view, a person can't see that in their own life, um, whatever you're trying to teach them, they can't make a connection with that. So the way I look at it is we've got to bring it down to bite-size teachable chunks as well as bite-size pieces of information that they can connect with. So including those little stories, those little personal things that you've experienced that your clients or students have experienced and giving those specific answers. And I've heard so many people that are like, oh, well, I don't didn't think anybody cared about the way I did this, or I didn't think they cared about my story. But what I like to do is I like to really focus in on trying to include those things that allow your mini course subscriber to connect with you because they're not just buying a course on a topic, they're buying from you. So making those connections brings it down to earth. They understand you. They can they can really get the real view in their head of what it is. And then, you know, following up that personal story with the teaching point that goes with it. So you told the story about something and then you've got the teaching point behind it and potentially giving them one action step to take. And I like that action step to literally take less than 10 minutes for them to complete because people are, you know, how our boxes are, you know, how, how many emails come in and people aren't going to take the time to go through a 30 minute, uh, you know, video training that you've provided them or, or something like that when it's mini course style, we want to give them something, you know, five to 10 minutes, quick, easy, they can take action on it. They feel like they got a win and then they're ready to move on to that next lesson that you've got coming tomorrow. Got it. Okay. So with that in mind, when we think about structuring this, is there a particular like sequence or structure that you give to really any kind of email funnel like this? And I'm saying email funnel, maybe I'm being presumptuous here, but something like that. Is there a particular kind of structure or pattern or series of things that you do like sequentially? And can you kind of dive into that? Yeah, sure. So I do kind of have a a, a certain style that I like to go through it with the different emails and the different things that I include. So you know, every email kind of has a purpose in the in the entire mini course system. I normally do about a five day mini course has worked really well for me. Um, you are going to open your your actual sale or enrollment in whatever you're pitching towards the end of those days, uh, making sure you're not waiting until the very end, because then you've got people losing, you know, connection and losing interest. So I, I normally open it around the the fourth day of the mini course. But in the beginning part, what I'm going to do is I've got uh, three different things that I normally really try to hit on. So one of those things that I hit on is mistakes. So I like to have three to five mistakes 
that I see people often make about the topic that I'm teaching. And so those people, those can be anything from beginner mistakes to a little more, more advanced mistakes, but anything that I think that maybe that person who has come into this mini course, I've got a feeling they've experienced at least one of those mistakes themselves. And so they're going to connect right away and be like, oh man, you know, I, I'm, I'm missing something here. Let's see what else I'm missing as well. So that's going to be the focus of one of those mini lessons. And then I can either explain, uh, give like little teaching tips after those mistakes about how they can either never make that mistake if they haven't made it yet, because I'm teaching them from the start, or they can figure out how to correct that if that's something that they're currently making. So always a mistakes email. Another email I always do is uh, focusing in on the myths email. So I'm going to have, um, it's, it's kind of similar to mistakes, but it's a little bit different. Myths are going to be those things that you see floating around the internet, you know, go to any Facebook group and type in your topic and you're going to start to see the same things coming up about whatever it is that you teach over and over again. And so I'm going to actually use that and see what are people saying about this topic that I know is not true, but I can see is common knowledge and or or they think it's common knowledge, right? It's a commonly myth that is going around the topic. So I'm going to break down those myths. I'm going to give them the real reason and I normally do this one around email three because I'm going to actually start mentioning my paid product in here and just putting in a few mentions about how, um, you know, basically how my product is counteracting that myth and giving them a way to eliminate that myth and, and make it not an issue anymore based on what I'm providing. And then for the, the third thing that I definitely like to include, so I like myths, mistakes, and then uh, a third always have in there is some kind of preview of my actual paid product. So this is one where I do focus a little bit more on the actual teaching in this email, because what I like to do is have, whether it's a course, you know, you're pulling out one little mini lesson directly from the course or an ebook, it could be an actual chapter out of the ebook just something that's going to give them a taste of what it would be like to enroll in your program. So if you can actually, you know, allow them at this point to log in and, and see what it's like to interact with, with your course or your ebook or whatever it is, as much as you can provide for them that experience, it just gives you a feel for, wow, you know, this is the mini course. Look what her paid program is like. You know, this is definitely something I'd be interested in. And they're just going to keep that engagement. So that that's a little more teaching based on that one, but it has a reason because it's previewing your paid offer that you're going to be pitching towards the end. Mm, I really like this. And it's something I haven't thought about specifically, like in this context, like actually pulling out from that paid product using that. And I think that's interesting that you highlight, like that's the one that you like definitely do teaching. You definitely want to teach with it and use the content from whatever it is that you're selling to teach that particular lesson in that particular email. I love that. That's really clever. Exactly. Yeah, it works great because, you know, people they've got in their head, they're thinking, oh, you know, I might be interested in this. So then when your your sale emails and your your ones that are leading more toward the pitch come up, they already know that they have an interest and that just helps with making those conversions. Got it. So, okay. So when you look at this mistakes, myths, product preview, those are the three core things that sounds like in every kind of uh, evergreen sales funnel that you want to make sure you touch on. Typically, that's what you recommend to clients and customers. And that's what you do yourself, correct? Yes, that's exactly right. Those are those are going to be the basis of my first three normally lessons in the mini course. 
Do you, do you kick it off with the mistakes? Like that's email one, like get straight into it. Yeah, I do like to have the mistakes towards the beginning there. Um, and I normally lead in with some kind of personal story or student story because, you know, often it's going to be a mistake that we made at some point with this topic that we're now teaching that we've become an expert at. So letting them connect with you right away is a great way to really gain their interest and, and let them understand that you you understand where they are currently. Okay, because what I've done in the past with one, and mine, my stuff's not optimized by any means. I mean, I'm just kind of, you know, winging it here. So I will probably go back and kind of evaluate how I did this. But one of the things the first email I led with was why my course was on pay what you want pricing. And it was immediately, mm-hmm. it was about, hey, this is w- like the first email. Here's why it works to, to prove like why you should be interested in this. But it sounds like to me like that's probably not as, a, as strong or as effective as like kind of starting with mistakes or common missteps. Yeah, and I will say, I guess I should I should also preface this with saying that I do actually send, as soon as they sign up, mm-hmm. they get a welcome email that is actually mm. not the very first lesson, Got per it. se, of the course. So they're going to get that welcome email, and then um, they're going to actually get the first course mini lesson the next day. So, you know, what you're saying you've got in your lesson mm-hmm. one, I think I've got some of those things in my welcome email, because... Ah. You know, in that welcome email, that's where I'm yeah. actually trying to get them to kind of do some forward thinking, um, thinking, you know, what could this potentially do for me? What could this do for my life, my business? Why does this matter to me? Why is this important? And I, I actually encourage them to reply to that welcome email with their reason for joining this mini course. And it just gives a way I could, you know, respond back with a quick, like, that's great, you know, hope you enjoy the course. Or if they had a question, I can answer that real quick. Um, just get them to take some kind of action to get them engaged. Good. I was just taking some notes here because I was thinking about that. That's that's awesome. <laughs> so that that makes sense because now that I think about how I've done it, I did that without like maybe inadvertently uh, kind of leading with that. But that's that's really I think makes it super crystal clear. Okay, so now let's back backtrack a little bit or go back because mm-hmm. uh, we kind of started in in the weeds with the the funnel itself. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talk about the, the entry point into this, though, you know, is there a particular way that you craft the messaging? on that landing page wherever somebody might opt into this this free course or this lead manual or whatever to get them through this series mm-hmm. you know cuz cuz if you're not you know teaching a lot or you're not teaching comprehensively it's one of those things like oh you know how to make your first $1000 online or something like that right and it's like well wait a second this is just kind of teaser to my course so how do you how do you come off like authentic you know with mm-hmm. integrity and kind of still being able to kind of uh, maintain that promise does that make sense Yeah, yeah, that does. So I always, um, I do say that I like to have some kind of, I call it a guarantee um, with my mini course. And I think that's what you're kind of alluding to here, that there is Mm -hmm. something that you're telling them that they're going to achieve Mm -hmm. by going through this mini course. And I definitely think, you know, regardless of with having all these other things in it, that I'm going to still be providing a lot of value in it. Um, It's just not going to be the main focus of each lesson per se, the teaching, but it is going to include those tips. So, you know, looking at my own opt-in, one of my big evergreen mini courses I run is based on Pinterest and getting traffic through Pinterest and it leads through my Pinterest, leads to my paid Pinterest course. Um, You know, so some of the things that I have like in the bullet point section of my opt-in page, I say I'm going to teach them 
four ways your Pinterest profile is costing you client sales and money and what you can do to change it. And I do talk about that because I talk about that mistakes email, right? Because I'm, I'm saying, what are the mistakes people are making with their Pinterest profile? And so then I am going to give them some tips there in that email for them to correct it. Like another one, I, I another bullet point, I have three surprising reasons that no one wants to follow you on Pinterest and how to attract your ideal audience. So that would be one that I would address in the myths email because I've got, you know, reasons that they may have not thought of that people would not want to follow them. So you see how I'm doing that there? It's it's like I'm still using the mistakes and myths, but I'm crafting my bullet points in a way where it it still is sounds very valuable and it is very valuable, but it's just all the way you're wording it. Got it. Okay, cool. That makes sense. All right. So now kind of moving toward the back end of it, you mentioned, okay, you, you know, toward the end of this, if you will use that five-day framework as kind of a, a template, at least to start from, you're teasing the course with the content from it, which I love. I think that's really clever. And then you get into some sort of sales pitch, right? Mm-hmm. So what are some things that we need to keep in mind if we're doing something like this? And I, I say that you could go as broad or as specific as you want. So yeah, I'll just give it, give it, go, go from there and we'll, we'll dig in. Yeah. So like I said, normally mini course uh, lesson number three is the one where I'm previewing that paid product that I'm going to be pitching at the end. And um, so they're, they're getting a taste on day three. I'm starting to mention the name of the product as well, just so it's getting in their heads. And um, on the PS of that email, I normally include something that teases that some kind of special offer or um, sale or something is coming for that product. And so, you know, stay tuned check out tomorrow's lesson, uh, just teasing it so they know to look for it. Then it's actually in that lesson number four that I do go ahead and open up this offer. And I do personally like to have some kind of limited time offer that's involved with this mini course that I'm going to lead let stay open for several days past the mini course. And, and I'm going to include sales emails for that. But you need some reason for people to take action. So if you're just saying, hey, the course is open, it's not reason enough, right? They they need a reason to get off the kind of indecision fence and say, you know, yes, this is for me and look at these additional things I'm getting or the special price I'm getting if I take action now. So I do go ahead and open that up on uh, day four. And so it's going to be open on day four, day five. And then I normally keep it open two to three days after the course ends. And then on those days, I'm going to be focusing more on just sales emails, follow-up emails that are leading to that ultimate cart close. So more of the traditional type of emails that you would send in a in a launch sequence. So after the course ends, I've got things like a pretty much like a FAQ email where I'm answering common questions. Um, I've got an email where I'm addressing people's objections to purchasing. I've got a last call email Um, I've got a case study email where I'm going through a case study of someone who went through the course. So those are, you know, your more traditional launch emails, but it's day four and day five. It is open and I am talking about it within the actual lesson of the course as well. I actually do like to send out an extra email on day four of the course and day five of the course. So they're getting two emails that day. Um, They're going to get the lesson email in the morning. And then on day four, I'm sending out more of of an official, this offer is open. So kind of like that first email when a launch opens, I'm sending that out in the afternoon just to make sure they actually noticed it and it didn't get lost in the lesson. And then day five, I like to send out more of like a recap email in the afternoon, like you finished the course, congratulations, 
here's everything that you learned, just kind of a reminder of what we've gone through for the week. And then reminding them there's there's still a lot to learn. Um, you know, it, it may seem confusing at this point, but here's my offer and here's how it can help you. So, uh, you know, a lot of stuff, a lot of working parts there, but mostly it's just getting those emails written and getting them in the right sequence and, and leading towards that cart close. Oh, okay, interesting. So you typically will do two emails on that, that fourth day, that fifth day, then you go into your, then that's, that's you know, the fifth day typically will finish like the course itself. Then the follow on next two to three days, you're doing like the sales follow-up, a Q&A, objection handling, case studies, last call, that'll happen at the next next few days. But that's all yep. just like, you know, pushing toward the sale, right? Exactly. So, you know, I, I might mention the mini course in those, I might, you know, just kind of another congratulations or that type of thing. But mostly those are more the, the traditional launch style sales focused emails. Okay, great. Now, and you're pushing typically to a, a traditional sales page. Anything to know about the product itself? Because uh, I, I have some you know, ideas and thoughts on this and pricing and what it takes to yeah. get people to purchase at, at certain you know, touch points based on the mm-hmm. price of the product or service, right? So like 10 bucks, you get send somebody to Amazon, they'll buy it in one click or something right. like that, right? Get up yeah. to 100 or 200 bucks. I think it's typically easy enough to sell via email. You get up to three to 500 bucks, it, may, it makes it a little more difficult. Typically like a webinar is more effective. And then obviously, you know, the higher, higher it goes from there, the higher touch you need. So with something like this, what's your, what's the ideal price point? Yeah, that's a great point. So I I have had different students in my program who have different price point options that they're looking at. So for example, if you did have a a quite low price point product, like a, you know, a $19, ebook or something like that, I do it a little differently where I include that link throughout the entire course almost at, you know, starting on like day two. And it's not so much of a push to the sale. It's because it's more of a kind of no brainer purchase and somebody might be ready at any point during the course to purchase. So you know, if you've got a really low price product, you can definitely do that. For what type of products really worked well in the traditional style that I just ta- uh, talked about, I found that anything from about a, a 197 to up to potentially 397 um, and you could discount, you know, you could give them a special offer for that 397 where they're getting it at 297 just during this uh, mini course offer. So anything in that range, even potentially up to 497 and discounting by 100 seems to work really well in this type of model. Like you said, you know, there's definitely options if you're getting a higher price point and if it's going to be more of a, a really personalized offer, even some kind of, you know, high touch service involved in it, whatever it might be, then what I suggest for those people is instead of going for the sale, you're going more for going to a contact form or a, a book a call form or you know something like that if you need to speak with that person first to close the call. Or similarly, you know, if you're doing a webinar, I, I have had some students where they change it out and instead of going towards the sale, they're going towards a webinar that they either host live every two weeks, every one week, something like that. Or they have an automated sequence where it's going to be, uh, you know, happening two to three days after the mini course closes. Mm. Okay, so you get through all of this, you sell the product or you don't because you either get a sale or you don't. What happens next? Yeah, so um, I do like to have a, a down sell um, that is offered and I've had some nice success with that. If the person is not uh, taking you up on your main offer in the that you're pitching in this course, uh, if you can provide some kind of smaller offer, lower priced, uh, maybe less high touch, 
Um, something, you know, still related, of course, to your mini course and is going to address the same pain points or, or the reason that they opted in. But if you can offer that, and I just do it real short, I don't get too complicated. It normally comes out two days after my initial offer has closed. And I'm going to send an email that's kind of like, uh, you asked for it or, you know, something like that, where I, where it's uh, kind of uh, leading, but they're like, oh, what is that? And they check it out. And then I just send uh, one more email the next day, kind of alluding to, hey, you know, if you want this or not. Here it is, you know, it closes tonight. They've got a real short opportunity to purchase it. And I found that that works really well to get a few more customers in the door that may have not been ready to commit to your full product. Mm. You know, you can even during once you get them into that lower price product, if it leads well, you can actually give them one more time, uh, you know, in that email sequence potentially that they go into when they get that down sell product. Uh, you can give them one more chance, you know, to purchase your your upsell product uh, or your your main offer product, you know, once that they've experienced that and, and sometimes you'll get some more sales like that. But, you know, it gets a little more complicated there. But definitely having some kind of downsell is definitely highly recommended. Okay, I like that. Do you, after all said and done, so then the person's, let's assume that the person is, there's a few branching paths here. The person purchases the program or the person doesn't purchase the program, but they do purchase the downsell or they don't purchase the product or the downsell. What do you do after that? Do you typically just put them onto your main mailing list or what happens? I do at this point. I just put them onto my mail, main mailing list at this point. Um, they're, you know, with the way I have it set up, if they do purchase, they are going to get a follow-up email sequence. It's going to kind of encourage them to take action on that product that they just purchased so, just so that I, you know, am actually having people go in and and uh, make use of the course and not just letting it sit there. But I do at this point just put them onto my main mailing list. I've I've looked at some options that I may set up in the future where if somebody doesn't purchase at all, keeping them out of my main emails and then sending them some just value-based emails that I've actually written in the past still on that same topic as the mini course they went through and then giving them a different opportunity a couple weeks down the road, like signing up for an automated webinar on the topic or, or some other type of teaching style that maybe they would relate better to or get more value out of. So I've looked at that as just something I haven't set up yet, but you know, something to consider that if you want to keep them going in that funnel, just, just go back to the value at that point and then you can do a pitch again down the road. Okay, great. I like that. So what what are your thoughts on like tripwires and things like that? The idea of like offering something immediately for purchase that's lower price. Like how does that factor into what you do? Yeah, so I actually really like it. Um, I know people have different thought processes on if it's a good idea or if you should be providing value at the beginning. To me, if you're if you've got a mini course uh, or any type of funnel that you are planning to eventually run paid traffic to, uh, I want to know it's converting first. But I really do think it's smart to get that tripwire in there so that you are hopefully recouping a lot of your ad costs at the beginning and not having to worry quite so much at the beginning if you don't have your conversion rates up as high as you want them for the you know the final offer, so that you still feel like you can do that and not be losing money. So I do use a tripwire in mine. The biggest thing is, is to think about what is something you can provide that you are not promising within your mini course. That's kind of the biggest mistake I see because why would somebody opt in to your mini course and then, you know, get this tripwire and they're like, wait, but I'm going to learn this in the mini course. Why, why would I get this? So you really have to kind of mm. think through it and think like, what is going to make sense here? So like in my example, you know, I'm telling them I'm going to teach them Pinterest in my mini course. So my tripwire is that I am offering them a set of 10 Pinterest optimized 
image templates. So they can take these and use them on their blog. And they've got these fully editable, you know, Canva templates that's free to use. And that's something that I, I talk about some about the graphics in my course, and they know that. But they also know, you know, themselves, if they're not a graphic designer, if they know they're not good at creating graphics, they know they're going to struggle with that. And so this is like one of those things that they understand it's going to save them time. It's going to save them potentially money of hiring someone to do this. And so it kind of becomes that no-brainer offer that that just helps them along that much more. That's interesting. So whatever the content, whatever you're promising, it's got to be complementary to that. It, maybe it's it's a way, I guess maybe a way of thinking of that is complementary, like maybe it would help them get better results or quicker results or something like that, but also is outside of the bounds of whatever the promise of the course was. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I found that things, like you said, that are maybe going to help them get better or quicker results. So like if you're providing a, a swipe file that's going to help them along or, you know, templates like I'm doing or uh, you know, some kind of specific plan that you used and, and some kind of system that you're giving them that system so they could implement what you did. Anything that's going to save them time or move them along faster. Some people even set it up, you know, if you feel like you've got a really high value mini course, and, and I see this working better with ones that are potentially longer than five days, like in the seven to 10 day range, um, you can actually offer them to get all of the lessons up front for your tripwire so that they don't have to wait the 10 days to get those lessons. And, and that's something that if someone's really ready to take action on something, mm. um, you can give them that option for, you know, a small price as well. Yeah. Do you, do you like that as an option or does that like, what are your thoughts on that one? Cause I thought about that, but I'm like, ah, I just, it's a hard thing for me to pull the trigger on or even test. Cause I'm like, I don't know. I, maybe it's just, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, you know, I, like I said, I think it's gotta be a longer mini course. Um, I think it's gotta be over five days for it to feel worthwhile to them. You know, that, that, uh, you know, thinking, oh man, I've got to wait 10 days to get all of this. So that could be a driver there. And then, you know, I think the problem there is that I see is you do have to balance it with, I do need to be providing enough information in here versus just the more psychology type things like the myths and the mistakes to make sure that it is worth their time and their value for purchasing, even if it is that small price. So for me, I haven't gone there yet just because I didn't want to have to worry kind of about that balance. Gotcha. Okay, very cool. So we're coming up to the top of our conversation, top of the hour, so to speak. I mean, there's a lot of obviously things we could cover in here. I'm curious if there's anything that you want to highlight or point out in terms of, you know, delivery or even positioning. Like we didn't really get into landing. I know you get into all this in your course anyway. So that's why people are listening. It's like, well, if this scratches the surface, well, we'll talk about where you can go after this. But I'm curious, like when it comes to like landing pages or, or sequencing, uh, maybe like in particular, because like I check out your Pinterest course mm -hmm. and it's a free course, but you have like a, a really like, it seems like really in-depth landing page for it. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, is that something that we should probably put a little more time and effort into as well? Yeah, I'm, I'm really big on having a high converting landing page because I feel like if you're going to spend all the time to set up this mini course, you're going to make all these lessons, you're going to set up the whole automation sequence that... I want the large majority of people that land on that landing page to actually opt in and not just look at it and think, oh, you know, I, I'm not going to do this. So 
it's interesting. I get really high conversions on my landing pages. And depending on which one you see when you go to the URL for my for my evergreen funnel, um, there's actually two options. I split test them. And it's actually very interesting that both of them do almost the same percentage. They're both converting around 70% right now and, and have been for about the last six months at this point, um, which is, is quite high you know, for a landing page. And I've got one that is basically a bullet point landing page. And uh, it, it converts a little bit lower than the other one, but not so significant that I've kind of killed it. The other one is more like sales page style. So I, I like doing this and I like encouraging my students to do this sales page style landing page because it makes people feel like even though you're offering this uh, free course for free, that you believe in it so much. You've put so much time into it. You know, you've spent all this time on this this landing page to get people to opt in that they're that more convinced of the value that you've put into it. So that page has traditionally converted about uh, four to 5% higher than the, than the bullet point opt-in one. But, you know, I tell people, if it's going to take you uh, a week to get your sales page uh, done, if you're doing the sales page style versus an hour to do the bullet point, I say, you know, get the bullet point one up there first Start getting people into your course, and then we can work on the sales page as you, you know, as you uh, work to improve it. So I don't want people to get stuck by saying, "Hey, I don't know how to do this yet. It's going to take me too much time." But I do think it's a great option to have the sales page style opt-in page, um, you know, if you do have kind of the the capability to be able to make that happen. I love it. Fantastic. Well, summer. I know this is really useful for me. I've taken a lot of notes. I'm, I know it just scratches the surface though, because there's obviously a lot behind the scenes we didn't get to touch on at all, like tech, um, automation, uh, things like, I mean, even how we structure it like in more depth. And I know that's kind of what your program is all about. So the floor is yours. Where can people reach out to you to find you? Maybe find out about Evergreen Sales School. Go for it. The floor is yours. Sure, definitely. So if you just go to evergreensalesschool.com, that's the easiest way to find it. Um, you're going to be taken directly to a waiting list, basically to uh, put in your name and email address there to find out when it opens again. By doing that, you're also going to get it onto my main email list at this point. So you're going to you know, start hearing from me and be able to keep up with what I'm doing and the value I'm providing. Um, I've got a bunch of video blogs on my website right now that talk about evergreen funnels, that talk about evergreen courses. So uh, you can definitely also find me on my blog at ladybossleague.com. And you're going to be able to have, uh, there's a variety of opt-ins there that are going to walk you through the automation checklist and swipe file if you are interested in setting up an evergreen course. So either way, evergreensalesschool.com or ladybossleague.com, you'll find me, be able to get on my list and, and stay up to date. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on In the Trenches Summer. Absolutely. This was great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to In the Trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join the resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorkis.com. Never fight alone. Join the resistance.